Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets included in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Donald Hall has said that the entryway to a poem is the beauty of its sound, and there's nothing like hearing the poet's voice. Recordings of the poets he selected reading their work are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Gwendolyn Brooks. Gwendolyn Brooks was born in 1917 and grew up on Chicago's South Side, where many of her poems are set. She began publishing poetry in the 1940s, earning literary acclaim with her first book, A Street in Bronzeville. In 1950, Brooks became the first African-American to win the Pulitzer Prize for Literature. Brooks's poetry reflects the lives and social world in which she lived. Her poems are often intimate portraits of city people struggling against poverty and racism. She wrote everything from free verse to ballads and sonnets. In the 1960s, Brooks's poetry became more political as she connected with a younger generation of black poets and the black arts movement. She was a teacher throughout her career and published prose and nonfiction work as well as poetry. She died in the year 2000 at the age of 83. The following four poems are from a reading Gwendolyn Brooks gave at the Library of Congress on January 19, 1961. The Mother Abortions will not let you forget. You remember the children you got that you did not get. The damp, small pulps with a little or with no hair. The singers and workers that never handled the air. You will never neglect or beat them or silence or buy with a sweet. You will never wind up the sucking thumb or scuttle off ghosts that come. You will never leave them controlling your luscious sigh. Return for a snack of them with gobbling mother eye. I have heard in the voices of the wind the voices of my dim-killed children. I have contracted. I have eased my dim dears at the breast they could never suck. I have said, sweets, if I sinned, if I seized your luck and your lives from your unfinished reach, if I stole your births and your names, your straight baby tears and your games, your stilted or lovely loves, your tumults, your marriages, aches, and your deaths, if I poisoned the beginnings of your breaths, Believe that even in my deliberateness, I was not deliberate. Though why should I whine, whine that the crime was other than mine, since anyhow you are dead, or rather, or instead, you were never made. But that too, I am afraid, is faulty. Oh, what shall I say? How is the truth to be said? You were born, you had body, you died. It is just that you never giggled or planned or cried. Believe me, I loved you all. Believe me, I knew you, though faintly, and I loved, I loved you all. Of DeWitt Williams on his way to Lincoln Cemetery. He was born in Alabama. He was bred in Illinois. He was nothing but a plain black boy. Swing low, swing low, sweet, sweet chariot. Nothing but a plain black boy. Drive him past the pool hall. Drive him past the show, blind within his casket, but maybe he will know. Down through 47th Street, underneath the L, and Northwest Corner Prairie, that he loved so well. Don't forget the dance halls, Warwick and Savoy, where he picked his women, where he drank his liquid joy. Born in Alabama, 
bred in Illinois, he was nothing but a plain black boy. Swing low, swing low, sweet, sweet chariot. Nothing but a plain black boy. The Lovers of the Poor Arrive, the ladies from the Ladies' Betterment League arrive in the afternoon, the late light slanting in diluted gold bars across the boulevard brag of proud, seamed faces, with mercy and murder hinting here, there, interrupting, all deep and debonair, the pink paint on the innocence of fear. Walk in a gingerly manner up the hall, cutting with knives served by their softest care, served by their love, so barbarously fair, whose mothers taught, you'd better not be cruel, you had better not throw stones upon the wrens. Herein they kiss and coddle and assault anew and dearly, in the innocence with which they baffle nature, who are full, sleek, tender-clad, fit, fifty-ish, aglow, all sweetly abortive, hinting at fat fruit. Judge it high time that fifty-ish fingers felt beneath the lovelier plains of enterprise, to resurrect, to moisten with milky chill, to be a random hitching post or plush, to be, for wet eyes, random and handy hem. Their guild is giving money to the poor, the worthy poor, the very, very worthy and beautiful poor, perhaps just not too swarthy, perhaps just not too dirty nor too dim nor passionate. In truth, what they could wish is something less than derelict or dull, not staunch enough to stab, though, gaze for gaze. God shield them sharply from the beggar bowl, the noxious needy ones whose battles bald, nonetheless for being voiceless, hits one down. But it's all so bad, and entirely too much for them. The stench, the urine, cabbage, and dead beans, dead porridges of assorted dusty grains, the old smoke, heavy diapers, and they're told, something called chitterlings, the darkness, drawn darkness or dirty light, the soil that stirs, the soil that looks the soil of centuries, and for that matter the general oldness, old wood, old marble, old tile, old, 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 not home kind oldness, not Lake Forest, Glencoe, nothing is sturdy, nothing is majestic, there is no quiet drama, no rubbed glaze, no unkillable infirmity of such a tasteful turn as lately they have left. Glencoe, Lake Forest, and to which their cars must presently restore them. When they're done with dullards and distortions of this fistic patience of the poor and put upon. They've never seen such a make-do-ness as newspaper rugs before. In this, this flat, their hostess is gathering up the oozed, the rich rugs of the morning, tattered, the bespattered, readies to spread clean rugs for afternoon. Here is a scene for you. The ladies look in horror behind a substantial citizeness whose trains clank out across her swollen heart, who arms akimbo, almost fills a door. All tumbling children, quilts dragged to the floor and tortured thereover, potato peelings, soft-eyed kitten, hunched up, haggard to be hurt. Their league is allotting largesse to the lost, but to put their clean, their pretty money, to put their money collected from delicate rose fingers, tipped with their hung hundred flawless rose nails, seems they own spode, low-stoffed, candelabra, mantles and hostess gowns and sunburst clocks, turtle soup, Chippendale, red satin hangings, Aubusson's and Hattie Carnegie. They winter in Palm Beach, 
cross the water in June, attend, when suitable, the nice art institute. Buy the right books and the best bindings. Saunter on Michigan Easter mornings in sun or wind. Oh, squalor, this sick four-story hulk, this fiber with fissures everywhere. Why, what are bringings of loath love largess? What shall peril hunger so old, old? What shall flatter the desolate? Tin can, blocked fire escape, and chitterling, and swaggering, seeking youth, and the puzzled wreckage of the middle passage, and urine, and stale shames, and again, the porridges of the underslung, and children, children, children. Heavens, that was a rat, surely, off there in the shadows. Long and long-tailed, gray. The ladies from the Ladies' Betterment League agree it will be better to achieve the outer air that writes and steadies to hie to a house that does not holler, to ring bells else time, better presently to cater, to no more possibilities, to get away. Perhaps the money can be posted. Perhaps they too may choose another slum, some serious city, half-unhappy home, where loath love likelier may be invested. Keeping their scented bodies in the center of the hall as they walk down the hysterical hall, they allow their lovely skirts to graze no wall, are off at what they manage of a canter, and resuming all the clues of what they were, try to avoid inhaling the laden air. A Sunset of the City Kathleen Eileen Already I am no longer looked at with lechery or love. My daughters and sons have put me away with marbles and dolls, are gone from the house. My husband and lovers are pleasant or somewhat polite, and night is night. It is a real chill-out, the genuine thing. I am not deceived. I do not think it is still summer, because sun stays and birds continue to sing. It is summer gone that I see. It is summer gone. The sweet flowers in drying and dying down. The grasses forgetting their blaze and consenting to brown. It is a real chill-out. The fall crisp comes. I am aware there is winter to heed. There is no warm house that is fitted with my need. I am cold in this cold house, this house whose washed echoes are tremulous down lost halls. I am a woman and dusty, standing among new affairs. I am a woman who hurries through her prayers. Ten intimations of a quiet core to be my desert and my dear relief. Come, there shall be such islanding from grief and small communion with the master shore. Twang they, and I incline this ear to tin, consult a jewel dilemma, whether to dry in humming pallor or to leap and die. Somebody muffed it, somebody wanted to joke. That was Gwendolyn Brooks reading her poetry at the Library of Congress in 1961. You've been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Gwendolyn Brooks and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.